I'm John Caldera, president of Independence Institute. Economist, author, presidential advisor, and activist, Steve Moore has been a friend for about a quarter of a century now. Few can make the human case for economic freedom as he can. I wanted his take on what's really at stake for the next election. Is the nation economically too far gone? This is the audio version of our television show, Devil's Advocate. You can watch that program by going to youtube.com, searching for our channel IITV, which stands for Independence Institute TV, or just go to thinkfreedom.org. I know you're going to like this discussion. I just want to make it clear, I knew this guy, he was a friend of mine before everybody else talked about him, okay? So before he was famous, I was a friend, I could call him up, and we talked. Steve you Morris, could have been a contender. I could have been somebody, I could have been somebody. I was a fan of yours when you put out the book, Getting Better All the Time. Uh, yes, with 2000, a, with that was late, 20? Three years ago. Yeah, with a late great uh, Julian, Julian Simon. Julian Simon. Yes. And for such a mean, nasty, awful, curmudgeon guy, you put out this book that was mostly graphs that said, thanks to capitalism, everybody's living a much better life. Mm -hmm. And it basically said, because of, because of the free market, we are living a better life. People on the lowest end of the spectrum in America are living lives of the best kings even better than they are. And this was almost a quarter century ago since, mm -hmm. since we got introduced right. and, and became friends. Do you still hold that position? Things are still getting better for the vast majority of Americans. There's a reason everybody in the world wants to come here. Um, you know, one area of just as an example that really surprises people, and it's very relevant to the debate that's going on right now, is air quality. Air, air quality has improved dramatically over the last 40 years. But I bet if you ask the average high school or college student, they'd say it's they say worse. It's awful. Even though it's, you know, you and I are old enough to remember when cities like Denver and Houston. And oh, we had the brown Pittsburgh. cloud. Yeah, we, had a third, we had a third of the population in Denver, and we had a brown cloud, and people were dying because of it. All right. So, you look, then, and the other thing that's happened, think of how the world's changed since 2000 with the technology revolution. Now, some people may be worried about that with the artificial intelligence <laughs> that's coming and robotics. But um, Americans live longer, they live healthier, we have higher incomes, we have cleaner air, cleaner water. Now, I'm not saying there are problems. One of the problems that's emerged has been big government. Government just seems to be getting bigger. My biggest concern right now as an economist is that we are, we, it seems to me that there's a big part of the population that wants to slay the goose that lays the golden eggs, which is the free enterprise system. And this isn't complicated. The freer you are, the more free markets you have, the more you depend on a free enterprise system, the richer you get. What's so complicated about that? A lot, it seems. <laughs> All right, so you I remember you with Cato and Heritage, and then you float around. I remember visiting you when you helped start um, Club for Growth. Club for Growth. Yeah. And I went to visit you. I was like, I want to see you in action. And so I was, I was going to see you in the palatial estates that was Club for Growth. Uh, and this was an organization that helped pick more conservative uh, Republicans in primaries, which was a real yeah. big idea back in the time. We were sort of the first super PAC. Yeah. Right. And so I went up to see you and, and uh, you were 
in some evil guy's office someplace, and I found you, and you were in an office that did have a window that faced <laughs> a, a brick, brick wall, wall. <laughs> and it was just covered in paper, and there you were. It's like, wait a minute, this, this is the Steve Moore? <laughs> this, is, this is the great guy? But your, your career has bordered the academic and the activist. Mm -hmm. It's really been, it's just been great to know you for all these years because you're, you're an academic, but you're always fighting at the same time. So yeah, you got to be a street fighter, and you are too. And well, let's see. Oh, you, I am no academic. Did you? I can barely yeah, read. But did, I'm trying to remember. Were you the original founder of? No, 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 no. I just stole the place from yeah. guys who did. John yeah. Andrews started That's the right, Independence Andrews, Institute, right then Tom Tancredo yeah. ran it. But it's been a long time. It's been a long. No. When are they going to kick you out of here? <laughs> if I don't, if, if I lose this gig, you know, I am unemployable. So it's the only thing I'd be well, saying into a microphone is anyway. you want fries with that. Let so me, let me ask you about. Uh, let me just say one yeah, thing. About this. I, I, I've been so blessed in my career that I've really, you know, since I graduated from college, I've really loved almost virtually every job that I've had. So, uh, you know, and the thing that my favorite job was working for the Wall Street Journal, which was just, you know, like they're paying me to do this, you know, because the Wall Street Journal editorial page, which I hope everyone is reading every morning because it's a must read. Uh, you know, it was just so much fun. And, and then, you know, I had the Club for Growth and worked at Heritage Foundation in the 80s when it was Reagan's think tank. And so I've been really, really blessed. I think what you're doing now with the Center to Unleash Prosperity yep. is one of one of the the most hard hitting things you. I get, I get uh, I get a ton of emails, and <laughs> Who there, there's only a few that I feel. Do you read the committee to unleash prosperity every hotline. day. Good. So you every, made my day. There's only a couple emails that, that I get, mass emails that I feel I must open. One, of course, are the Viagra ads, but the <laughs> second to that are the emails you send out every day. I want you to give a plug for this because they are the most valuable emails I get every day. Well, we try to, uh, by the way, John Fund, who you know very well. Yes, and he's, he's, that, he's and been on the show many times. We have a great staff. And it's just five or six little bullet items every morning. Sometimes it's just a graph or a chart on the economy. We do a little politics. We did. A, we started it during COVID because... Nobody was, was getting information. Every, you know, the information that people were getting from the government was all wrong. And I'm proud of the fact that we called them out on it. I mean, I think Almost everyone watching this show knows today that the government was full of you-know-what when they were telling us. They ran a campaign of fear to scare people intentionally. And uh, by the way, never, never, never again should we ever allow the government to shut down our schools and our churches and our businesses. And remember, right at Burley, early on, like March or April of 2020, we had a powwow here. Yeah, we, and we, we talked did a show. lot about it, and, and we were right and they were wrong. Well, and so, also... They came after you Us. for saying this was this was wrong. They put you in their sights oh, yeah. for for saying uh, this is wrong. I, we I were fighting for freedom. I was fighting for my son to get yeah. an education because right. he was pulled out of school. He has exactly. Down syndrome, and a year out of school was terrible, and he never got it back. So on the on the committee to unleash prosperity hotline, for just as an example. We're really excoriating Randy Weingarten. You know her. She's the head. I mean, she's the, the head of the teachers union across the United States. And she was singularly, I shouldn't say singularly, but she's probably the most important voice in America for keeping the school shut down month after month after month after month after month, in some cases, 18 months of school closures. And now 
She's saying, I wasn't against, I wasn't for school closures. Like, like Fauci saying, I wasn't for shutting down the economy. Uh, we have you on tape a hundred times at the, at the White House saying that. So the left is trying to rewrite this history. We try to hold their feet to the fire. And we had a really great, uh, the other day, we had a really great just video you know, it was three minutes long of, of Randy Weingarten saying all these things. Oh, we have, the schools have to stay shut and it's we have to worry about the teachers and so on. And so we try to call people out. We try to give people really relevant information about what's going on with the economy, what's going on with, uh, you know, politics and, uh, and a little humor. So I'm glad you like it. Uh, what, what well, I love- if people want to just go to Committee to Unleash Prosperity, a website, and sign up. And, you know, there's no inflation because it's free. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about it is it's short, right. great Factual right. information that is well, um, uh, a little snarky. Well, it's a little snarky, snarky. <laughs> but but there's real information, yeah. and you know where it comes from, and you, it's fact based, and it's just it's really really helpful Good. stuff. All right, let's let, let's get into the meat of this. The nation is nation's in trouble. The state's in trouble. Uh, I want to talk about inflation and and the economy. Uh, you, Julian Simon, uh, our mutual friend Art Laffer, um, we know that lower tax rates, particularly when it comes to income tax, doesn't always mean lower tax income for the government. Explain this to people, because here in Colorado, there is always this push to undo what we at Independence Institute has done, have done. Before independence, Colorado had a progressive income tax. The highest rate was, was 8%. We came in, we lowered it to five. Yeah, and after our work, uh, and you've been supportive of it, We've lowered the tax now to 4.4. We are have a goal to eliminate right. the income tax altogether. Right. And even our tax-crazed governor, who likes all sorts of taxes disguised as fees, at least he'll say there shouldn't be an income tax. You shouldn't tax what, what you want, which is, which is income. That doesn't... Uh, he doesn't do anything to help us with it, but he, he says, rhetorically, he, he says that. Uh, why is that a good idea? Well... Let's keep this really simple. Uh, you know, when you tax something, you get less of it. Right? It's very simple. If you, ta- you know, why do we tax? Why do we tax cigarettes? Right? Because we want the people to smoke less. Uh, it, why do we give people speeding tickets, uh, which is a tax? Because we don't want you to speed on the highways. And so you're going to get less of something if you tax it. And so I've never understood even the logic of an income tax. What is you know? So you're basically taxing people on their entrepreneurship, on their hard work on their investment. In other words, we're taxing virtues. We should be taxing vices, not virtues. And so it would make much more sense to tax people on what they take out of the economy, what you consume, rather than what you put into the economy, your you know, hard work and your entrepreneurship and your investment money and your savings. And so we should restructure the system. Now in Colorado, People might say, well, gosh, how could we run this state without an income tax? Well, the answer to that is easy. We have nine states that don't have income taxes, including Florida and Texas and Tennessee, three three of the shining examples. And those states have budget surpluses. They have good public services. They uh, And they're booming. They are booming. So I would contend that if you want to you know, really have a uh, you know, takeoff in the economy in Colorado, if you were to basically announce, we're getting rid of our income tax, you would just see an explosion of prosperity in this state. You're wrong. Let me tell you why you're wrong. Okay. You said if you if you want to get rid of something, if you want to punish something, you tax it. Mm-hmm. You don't want cigarettes, you tax it. Right. Uh, you know, we don't want millionaires. We don't want a ruling class. 
We don't want an exploitative class. This is why we want a progressive income tax system, yeah. because we have people who exploit others. Those are millionaires. Those are billionaires. Those are people at the top end. Those people at the top end are unfairly using the system and exploiting people at the bottom end of the system. So that's why a progressive income tax system does exactly what you said. It taxes cigarettes. It taxes those people that have too much mm -hmm. and helps people down here. That's what we want to do. It's just what you're saying about speeding tickets. Well, let me give you an example. Okay. So I, I, I'm going to say something that's very politically incorrect. I love millionaires the, and billionaires. I want more millionaires and billionaires. And people who are successful and great, build great businesses, with a, whether it's Bernie Marcus or whether it's Mark or Bernie Zuckerberg. Madoff. Or... <laughs> no, Bar no Bernie, Mar Bernie Madoff was a criminal. And he went to jail and he lost everything as he should. But I want to tell you the story of Ken Griffin. He is the um, billionaire founder of Citadel, which is a hedge fund, and he has a thousand employees, and he's been amazingly successful and created incredible businesses with his investments and so on. So he is from, his business was in my hometown of Chicago. As you know, I'm a Chicago boy. And he built the business there, you know, he went to college there, um, and was in May, he, he gave more money in philanthropy to the museum and the homeless shelters and, you know, all of the, you know, you know the, the social causes. He was by far the biggest giver. Well, the Chicago Tribune and all the media said, oh, he's not paying his fair share of taxes. You know, he's a billionaire. He's not paying enough. And so they kept coming after him. And then another thing happened. Crime went way up in Chicago. Now, crime is a tax, right? Crime is a tax. You, it, it increases the cost of everything you do. So if you want to reduce taxes, reduce your crime. So finally, he said, I just can't, you know, my, my employees aren't even safe coming into the office here. I can't stay here. So they've, the, these left-wing policies finally got him to move out of Chicago. Guess what? He moved to Miami, where there's no income tax and where you have good crime prevention. And all of a sudden, the left said, oh, first they said, oh, good, we're getting rid of this billionaire. Well, then all of a sudden, the charity said, well, does that mean he's not going to give $50 million to the Museum of Science and Industry? Does that mean the homeless shelter isn't going to get money? Does that mean that the opera? And, and, and they said, now that he's in Miami, he might not give anymore. And it put a huge hole in the Illinois budget because he himself paid like $50 million, fifty to $100 million in state taxes. So they finally chased him out. Now they don't have their billionaire. they got a big hole in their budget. So what Colorado needs is more millionaires and billionaires, not fewer you're going to have more jobs in your... It is odd how the, they don't seem to think that when you tax these guys and you hit them with the millionaire's tax, that they have feet. Right. And they're going to go someplace <laughs> else. Right. And then, by the way, this is the biggest story of what's happening in America. And the left is quite embarrassed by this. I debate liberals all the time. You know, I debate, you know, people like Robert Reich and people like Paul Krugman and so on. And... You know, we can debate about whether we should have the government on the health care system or this or that or, you know, how much, you know, how much taxes matter. The one thing that they have no explanation for, the liberal socialists, is if your policies work so well, why is it that people are leaving California? Why are they leaving Illinois? Why are they leaving New York? And why are they going to Texas? Why are they going to Florida? Why are they going to Tennessee? Why are they going to Utah? And 
They, they, I remember Paul Krugman, I, I, I uh, debated him once in front of a thousand people. He said, Steve, there's a very you know, easy explanation. People are moving for the weather. And I, I just nailed him. I said, well, that's interesting. I mean, you're saying, tell California? me California. What? They're leaving California for yeah, the weather. Yeah, exactly. I said, people are leaving San Diego going to Houston for the weather. I don't uh. think so. So this is the bit, but this is the biggest story in America. The mass migration of people out of blue states and blue cities into red states and, and, and red cities. So look, think of the cities that the left has held up as paragons of social, uh, you know, uh, progressive success. San Francisco, Los Angeles, Portland, Seattle. Have you been to those cities lately? I mean, they were a disgrace to America. For the first time, people are en masse leaving San Francisco, they're leaving Portland, they're leaving Seattle because the left wing policies of high taxes, soft on crime, runaway government it's spending. it's not just the rich guys. You look at Portland where Walmart, where poor people go to get their food, their supplies, yep. their clothes. They're shutting down. They're shutting down yep. because they're losing all their money to crime and they can't Which is it. funny, by the way, you're exactly right. It's, it's not funny, it's sad that you know, the left says, oh, you know, the problem with our cities is they've they've used this term food deserts. You can't find a grocery right. store. You can't find a Walmart. Well, guess what? It's your own policies that are causing. And by the way, some some can remember AOC said, we don't want Walmart here. We don't want Amazon here. You know, oh, good. The, well, you got what you want there and you don't have the jobs. Hey, I, I want to dive into <laughs> I want to dive into monetary policy. Uh, my bugaboo. And I was so thrilled when President Trump said, I want my buddy uh, Steve Moore to, to be on the Fed board. And I, I saw that news, and I was like, oh, my God. Now, I'm going to know somebody on the Federal Reserve Board. And I said, this, yeah, this, this is, this is going to be good. That's and that, that lasted for about a day and a half because you're too easy of a target. Yeah, and I, I, when I said... It's easy. You open up my closet and the skeletons just fall, fall out all over the and place. I, said, I know you don't have those kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to get invited onto the, the Fed board. And I called you up and I said, Steve, what happened? Why, why didn't you make it? And you said... Because I know people like you, John. Yeah, right. Uh, which was, which was. Well, what, I'll just say one quick thing about yeah. that. Um, what happened, really? I always wondered why did when Pre President Trump asked me to do that. To be honest, I didn't care one way or the other. I mean, that's a yeah. pretty boring job to be among a bunch of. And there's only one person who has power at the Federal Reserve, and that's. Chairman Powell, and I wasn't going to be the chairman. So Although you get inside information, which a guy like yeah, you... And then you really get a little yeah. pin. And the, so I, you get a great I, parking I, space. Frankly, it wasn't my dream job. I didn't care one way or the other. But you don't, you don't say no to the president. When he right. calls you and says he wants you to do it... You, so I, I, I honestly didn't think anybody would really pay any attention to this. I mean, can you mention... Really? Can you mention, other than Jerome Powell, anyone else on the Federal Reserve Board? Come I know, on. like, three names that I have. You're pretty to, good. You probably... Yeah. Most people don't even know Jerome Powell. Anyway, to make a long story short... The arrows just started slinging as soon as, A, because, you know, I'm a controversial guy, but B, I was, they were um, intimidated by the fact that I had these ideas that weren't part of the club. See, all these things in Washington You didn't want to just print money. Yeah, they're clubs. And if you're not part of the club, they don't want you. And so my ideas, were, like I was saying, we should just have a monetary rule. Just tell everybody what yeah. that rule is. And we don't have to have all these 400 PhD economists over there who screw things up. And, oh, my God, that was incredibly threatening. And that, I think, was the real reason that the left did everything they could to make sure I wasn't on the board. And 
it's sad because it wasn't just me that was taken down, but um, my friend Judy Shelton, who actually is was more qualified than I was to be on the Federal Reserve Board. She's a real monetary expert, probably one of the five greatest experts in the country. And they took her down the because you know why? She had said some good things about the gold standard, and that disqualified her. And think about that. When you say <laughs> there should be a rule, that's a brilliant idea yeah. because that's what it should be, that the Federal Reserve basically has one big lever. Yeah. And the lever is to make more money into the system or pull more money out of the right. system. You know, when we were on a gold standard, that was it. The dollar bills and the amount of gold had yeah. a ratio. And everybody knew it, what it and was knew what and it what was. the rules was. And that, therefore, but, but businesses, banks, they want more money. There's always a demand for more money. And so uh, a good banking system, money system, keeps the demand for money in check. It keeps it back. Otherwise, you get yeah. inflation. Look, uh, one of the p pillars of prosperity is a stable currency. You know, look at the countries that fail. Look at you know, Argentina. Look at Venezuela. Look at Mexico. Look at Greece. Look at Zimbabwe. I mean, you just go. They they and look let their at currencies go. Look at crazy. Germany when when That's there's hyperinflation. Exactly. And when it goes on a global scale, right? It usually ends badly in right. war. So uh, we. I don't want to get too much in the weeds here, but what, so because we have a Federal Reserve. You have a whole industry of people that are just trying to guess what the Federal Reserve is going to do next. Right. A whole industry. You know, why do we need that? It's a total waste of resources. So if everybody just knew automatically what the Fed would do, for example, what I was in favor of, just look at all commodities. We know that what happens to commodity prices in real time. And if the commodity prices are rising, that means inflation's up. So we have to raise interest rates to, you know, take money out of the system, commodity prices are falling, you have deflation, so you have to you know, cut interest rates. It's not complicated. It would keep the dollar strong and stable, and that's what we want. And now we have a situation by where, where the dollar is under attack because we've had you know, these herky-jerky movements in the money supply. And in the, one of the reasons we had you know, inflation hit 9.1% last summer, even though the Fed said it was transitory, uh, was that uh, you know you had um, this money creation at the same time you had the, the United States government under Biden spending six trillion dollars we didn't have. So you have monetary policy, which is the Fed doing make more money, right. pull back more right. money, and then you've got government doing fiscal policy, mm -hmm. which is spending money they don't have right. and going into debt. That's right. And these guys are always out of whack. Right. And so these guys are. The fiscal guys are spending money they don't have, right. robbing from our great-grandchildren, putting them into debt, mm -hmm. and you've got the Fed making up dollar bills out of nothing. There is going, tell me if I've got this wrong. There is no way out of this. And pardon me for being uh, uh, Debbie Downer, but if you draw out the pictures of the debt we currently have, which scares the hell out of me, but you add on to it the promises we've made that cannot mm -hmm. be paid for. And just on the fiscal side, it blows up. It cannot be done. It's like your buddy who's maxed out his credit cards. And you yes. go, you're going to go bankrupt. There's no way to do it. And then you add on to this the, the uh, monetary side, which says, yeah, well, we have this money that's backed up by nothing, and it's paper. And I look at this, and I go, and this is the world's currency, this, at some point, maybe not in our lifetime, probably in our kids' lifetime, this has to blow up. Do you see any other way? I don't think it's going to blow up. I think we, we're going to be poorer as a result of that. What does that uh, mean, we're going to be poorer? 
it means that Draw we're... Draw a picture you know, for you, you know, Look, you can't tax and borrow your way to prosperity. It's that simple. And so we're just... It's almost it works like for a generation or two. We, we would be more prosperous if we hadn't done these crazy things. And what we're doing right now is like at times at 10. You know what we yeah. were doing? When I first came to Washington in 1985, the debt was about um, $1.8 trillion. Now it's $31.8 trillion. Boy, I'm having a good effect, yeah. aren't I? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the debt is now expected to go to $50 trillion. So the left has this philosophy that, have you ever heard of modern monetary theory? Have you ever heard of that? Spend and all will yeah, be well. Exactly. It's, it's like we. It's since basically we're the, Keynesianism we're, since, since on we're steroids. The, since we're the world reserve currency and, and foreigners are willing to lend us money, then we can, I mean, they really believe this, that we can just spend and borrow as much as we want. Now, that's a dingbat theory. I think most everybody knows that. And we used to laugh at it when these people first started talking about it. And then Joe Biden came in and he did it. <laughs> he's He's doing an experiment and modern monetary theory. How do you like it, folks? Is it working? What's the difference between modern monetary theory and good old Keynesianism? They're they're related. You know, they're the, the same, same thing. thing, which is Keynes' whole idea was you can run up big debts and you don't have to worry about it. And this is the only kind of nuance here is they're making the claim, well, not every country can do this, but we can because we have and and look we do have a huge advantage over the rest of the world that we are the world reserve currency. And no, I don't think the dollar is going to be replaced by any other, well, it's not gonna be replaced by any other government currency. Maybe a crypto private currency would come along and replace it. But come on, you gonna invest in yuan? Are you gonna invest in euros? Are you gonna invest in pesos? I mean, we are the least rotten apple in the cart. And that- But I am gonna invest in Bitcoin. Yeah, well, that's a crypto, right? Yeah. And so that, that's why, by the way, I'm a big fan of cryptos, even though I tell people be very cautious. But the idea, this is the other thing, the left is against cryptos because this upsets their their apple cart. Which All is of why a sudden the you Fed have a private competitor right. to the dollar, and they don't want that. And for those people who don't get it, the reason why people like, well, me, we're, we're so crazy about crypto is it can't be inflated, at least Bitcoin, some can. Well, it can be, but... Um, what what you really need is like a crypto that's gold backed, you know, that that somehow retains its value. I mean, look at to say it. You know, I mean, the the, the uh, Bitcoin's gone like up and down and up and down and up and down. It's gone an, mostly up. But. but that's an illusion because you're only comparing it to, to, to a fiat. Well, currency. that's a good point. When, well you, when you look at when you look at Bitcoin, no, it's been completely stable. There's only been. X whatever limit of Bitcoin, and it has never been inflated. Yeah. You know, there's only been so many. Well, but there is one grow. fundamental difference, and, I, and I'm a fan of cryptos, but there, but there is the full faith and credit of the United States government behind the dollar bill. You don't have that protection with it. I mean, a Bitcoin what that, could go to zero. What does that? What does that mean? It yes, means you're right. Crypto, somebody could hack the code and it goes away. Yeah, agreed. Good. And our government could go bust. Oh, that's true too. And it's and on I, the way to doing and that. And I don't see how it doesn't. And well, you say, if we, you know, look, you know, I was very proud to work for Trump. We, we, were, we were doing great as a you know, country. I remember in the early 2020 thinking, oh, my God, he's going to win re-election by the biggest landslide in the history of the country. And I thought of, so, too. And then, of course, you know, uh, COVID hit and changed everything. And, uh, but it pains me because, truly, I mean, if Trump were still president, and look, he's very flawed. I know people have very strong opinions about his personality and his, his, you know, his crazy behavior. But his policies 
were pretty darn good. And we put in the tax cuts, the deregulation, the pro-America energy policy. We got control of the border, all these things. And the judges. And the judges. So the point is that this was, you know, if you turn those dials in the right direction, as happened under Reagan and happened under Trump, Good things happen. So I'm not here to say, you know, we're facing Armageddon. I do think another four years of a Biden type of Biden or someone like him, you're just digging that ditch deeper then let's, and deeper. Let's switch gears. Yeah. Let's talk about Trump. Yeah. Uh, you worked for him. You were able to uh, advise him. I remember you coming to one of our events <laughs> and saying, he's going to win. And everyone was like, what? Oh, yeah, I remember that. And you were right. And then you came back and said, I told you I, I was right. Where we stand now, and, and by the way, we uh, uh, before this goes out, it's been a few weeks after we would tape this that people will see it. But at this point, when we tape, it is sure looking like we're going to have a repeat yeah. of that god awful election we had <laughs> now. Yeah. You know, it makes me think we got 330 million people here, and we've got these two yeah. crazed geriatrics <laughs> running. When when any other Republican, we've got great Republicans who can still great do governors. those. Those same policies, I look at DeSantis, I go, this is a guy who can do this. Yeah. Um, uh, Ramaswamy, the, this uh, um, uh, guy who, wrote, uh, who writes for the Wall Street Journal often, this guy amazes uh -huh. me. He has a great fiscal yeah. under, monetary understanding. Yeah. There are great guys out there and who are not as polarizing as Trump, yeah. and they could win. Trump is incredibly polarizing. He is truly his own worst enemy. Uh, he is, I've always said this, I said it, you know, to your group five or six years ago, you know, there's a good and a bad and an ugly about Trump. And um, so I take what you're saying, you know, he is, um, you know, maybe the only Republican who could lose to Biden. On the other hand, Biden's the only Democrat who could probably lose to Trump. So it's turning out to be a crazy situation. Um, I, look, I, I, I'm not taking a position, I mean, in terms of endorsing Trump. I'm going to stay neutral. We have great Republican you, governors. You've got to feel very loyal to him because you've well, always been good to me. But look, Ron DeSantis is fantastic. I, I'm from D Virginia. You know, we have a great governor in uh, Glenn Youngkin. People should pay attention to him. If I could handpick who I would want to be the Republican nominee, it would be Kim Reynolds, the governor of Iowa, who's like our Margaret really? Thatcher. She's unbelievable. You should get her out here to Colorado. She is a superstar. And she's done school choice. Have you done school choice yet in Colorado? Have you met our governor? <laughs> I mean, come on, school choice. This you is met the school choice moment. So she's done school choice. She's cut taxes. She's cut the bureaucracy. She's a so soccer grandmother. She'd be a nightmare for the Democrats to run against. So we have a lot of really, as, a, as Republicans, we have a lot of good candidates. And, you know, Biden is, um, if I could handpick the Democrat I'd want to run against right now, it would be Joe Biden or maybe Kamala Harris. How does this all end? So let me, let me get back on track on. I just don't know how it all ends. You are positive, and people say I'm negative, but I'm not. I'm just trying to be realistic about we can't hold on to this much debt. More importantly, we cannot fulfill the promises we've made. And all I see is we have to inflate our way out of this problem. You are wrong. We grow our way out of this problem. I you know, agree, we grow but our way. You know, we, not... And not growing the money supply, growing the output of the private sector. And there is no reason, you know, if we just corrected the policies that are in place, uh, I think you could see the economy. Look, 
COVID is over. It was a crisis. It shut, you know, we shut down the whole economy for. It was you know, a politically made crisis. Yeah, of course it was. But my part, point part is, the, I, it's I believe over. to get rid of a president, but we can talk and about we that later. We should be in a rational country, you know, with a rational government. We should actually be running a budget surplus now. We should be paying off the debt. You just not, made two assumptions that were the crazy yeah, exactly. assumptions. So I do worry. Look, but I do think that the country is. The, the, this is a center-right country. I really do believe that. I think people are sick of the wokeism. I think they're sick of the debt. I think they're uh, sick of the infringements on free speech. I think they instinctively get it that a country that continues to borrow and spend in the trillions of dollars this year, this year alone, that we're going to borrow another $2 trillion. How could that be? Biden's running around the country saying he's cut the debt more. Have you heard him say this? I've cut the debt more than any other country, which is, you know, other president. Ridiculous. So, we are going to need new leadership, um, and whether that's Donald Trump or whether that's one of these great governors we have, um, I think that the country is ready for real free market reform. All right. Let me throw the BS flag on this one. Okay. Donald Trump raised he debt. Did. All he right. raised spending. I mean, Trump you know, did a lot of good things for the economy, but and, he was a big spender. He's a Keynesian himself. He loves to spend. Right. That's what politicians do, John. You know that. Right. And they so, love to spend money. And so even if you get all these great governors elected, and even if you get a governor uh, in the White House, the machine is made to keep printing dollars and keep debt spending. You're too cynical. I mean, look at how quickly Reagan turned around the economy in the early 80s. I'm proud of what we did and under Trump. You know, all of a sudden the economy just boomed as soon as these it doesn't take a lot. All we have to do is just get the government out of the way, just out of the way. And the private sector we just need to take business. those Rocky Mountains out of Colorado <laughs> and put them in Missouri. It's and not then- that tough. We've done it before. Reagan turned around the economy on a dime back from the, you know, the, the incredibly uh, pathetic 1970s. I'm proud of what we did with Trump. You know, when Trump came in, you know, we had the years of Obama where the economy didn't grow at all. And all of a sudden the economy just boomed until COVID hit. So what I'm saying is you change those dials from anti-growth to growth. And I think you get a really quick response. Would you agree that Trump did not have the economic grounding that Reagan did? Yes. Trump Trump, is is a populist. Yes. Yes. Reagan was a true believer who, in his soul, understands yeah. what if you and If you ask I did. Trump, who's Pepe Hayek, he's not going to, you know, he doesn't right. know any of that. But I have to say, having been in the, in the Oval Office with Trump many times, especially during COVID, he is not ideological. He's not an ideological conservative like you or I are. But he has a common sense, and he was a successful businessman. And that counts for a lot. I mean... Joe also Biden crony, doesn't know though. anything about business, yeah, right? And neither does anyone around him know anything about business, which is so frustrating to me. You have this woman, Lena Khan. Do you know who Lena Khan is? She's the head of Federal Trade. She's telling businesses which ones can merge, what, how to run their business. Lena, you've never run a business. You've never been run a lemonade stand. That's the case with most of the people in the Biden administration. Now, I'm not saying that businessmen and women are saints, but at least they know how to run things. And Trump com- had a lot of common sense to him. And that's one of the reasons that I think he was able to succeed, because this stuff is not complicated, John. I will put some a compliment to the organization you work for, Heritage Foundation. You're uh-huh. a senior fellow there. And I remember when Trump was running and they were putting together, all right, we want to put together uh, uh, 
whoever becomes president, we want to put together yeah. a team of right. advisors and this. And it was uh, during the primaries of whoever gets the nomination. And then they kept it going when Trump was the nominee. And I'm looking at the Heritage Foundation going, are you nuts? Why would I waste any of my time helping you guys? Right. There's no way this is going to happen. And they yeah. said, well, there are a lot know. of good people. I mean, and out yeah. of that came Betsy DeVos and Larry all, Kudlow, uh, Kudlow and all these incredible really people. people. So when the impossible did happen, Trump had an army team. of great people. I look at Leo Leonard, who put together this incredible plan. The most important thing Fantastic. I think Trump did was to put in uh, um, uh, Supreme Court and other judges were fantastic. Uh, which was incredible. I think one so, of the most important things he did was pull the United States out of the anti-America uh, Paris Climate Accord, which is all about America paying for everything else. And, and by the way, the first thing Biden did when he came president was put us into that as well. But uh, I'm not saying Trump is the one. I think he was a good president in terms of his policies. I think he was his own worst enemy. I agree with you. It's going to be very difficult for him to get to win another election, given his behavior. On the other hand, uh, if it comes down to the economy, here's here's the case for Trump. Okay, here's the case for Trump, especially with Biden. Remember when Ronald Reagan stared right into that camera in the debate against Jimmy Carter and said, "Are you better off than you were you were four years ago?" Most Americans feel they're worse off today than when Biden became president, and that's a high uh, you know hurdle. For any Democrat, whether it's uh, Joe Biden or any of these guys, Pete Buttigieg, all the, by the way, what, where is the bench on the Democratic side? The only one that I can think of is your governor here in Colorado. If that is the bench, <laughs> I am terrified. I'm teasing, folks. I knew that would get a rise out of Jack Kildare. <laughs> I'm moving to Hong Kong. Um, so if Trump becomes president again, uh -huh. do you worry it becomes a revenge tour? Mm, I do. I do. Tell me about that because because he's everything's personal with Trump, right? And so yeah, I do worry about that. You know what I loved about Trump when he ran in 2016, and the reason I, you know, you talked about this earlier that I had predicted he was going to win, is because this message of putting America first and making America great again. <gasps> America Republican. Right. You know that's a very popular make America great again, put America first. And I now I worry a little bit. You know, with Trump, it's put Trump first. You right. know, and so, yeah, I do worry about that. I have a lot of good conversations with the president. He's always been, you know, fantastic to me personally. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, but, you know, I always say when I say, you know, go to bed at night, I say, please, God, let, let the good in Trump, you know, uh, prevail over the ugly. If the good of Trump were to prevail, he'd drop out. Yeah, exactly. You, you agree? <laughs> well, you did you know, say it. But the, look, that'll, again, I love the I love a lot about the guy. He, like most politicians, is a narcissist. Like every politician to some extent. <laughs> so, so he is a narcissist. You know, I, I didn't want him to run. I, I, I actually ran as a delegate to vote against him. I reluctantly voted for him the first time. I enthusiastically uh, voted right. for him the second time. Mm -hmm. I thought the way he handled January 6th was an embarrassment to us all. And and I think a lot I think of it, let me put it. Yeah, go ahead. If Trump had just simply said, and I talked to the president afterwards, and he became a different person. He, you know, after that election, it was difficult to talk to him. But my advice was, look, maybe the election was. Well, I don't think we'll ever know. I mean, you know what happened with this election. I mean, there was a lot of voter fraud going on. But 
imagine this alternative scenario where Trump said, I think the election was stolen, but I'm going to concede the election and um, and just be a stand up guy. Think of how popular it'd be today. Right. You know, so he blew it. He blew it with what happened in January 6th and even going on CNN the other night and saying, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, the election was stolen. Get off of it. OK, people don't want to talk go. about that anymore. Right. Yeah. Talk about inflation. Talk about talk the future. about how people yeah. are hurting. Yeah. Talk about how when you were president, exactly. yes, people were making a better living. Right. Talk about how inflation was two percent. And by yeah. the way, you know, I saw the president about three, four weeks ago and we talked for about 10 minutes. I, I said, Mr. President, you know, talk about how you rebuilt the economy. And I said, Mr. President, stop the trash talking. Stop that. Now, you know, he's, he's not, not going to do this. <laughs> but I said, and then, you know, and he says, you know, Steve, a lot of people tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> what what kind of guy was he? Not is he, but was was he? Trump because is, I've, I've, I've read the books. I listen to yeah, the books because right. I'm dyslexic and I don't know how to read. But they all seem to draw the same picture, that he is wildly insecure <laughs> and that he is most concerned with how he's how he is perceived by others, by the masses. I think that's And true. as soon as someone is too critical, that the guy's dead to me. You know, so mm-hmm. I hire a guy, and as long as he's kissing mm-hmm. my ass, he's a great guy. Yeah. But as soon as he brings me news that I don't want to hear, then uh, he's, he's dead to me, which is not something I want in a leader. I, I want somebody who tells me the things I don't want to One hear. One of the reasons, John, that I never actually took a job with... Trump was I really felt like I could have more impact and I'm just going in to see him once every few months. Did he ever offer you a job? They offered me some, you know, some jobs, including yeah. being on the Federal Reserve and so on, uh, being on his domestic policy council. But and, and I'm I, I you know, it would have been kind of cool to work in the White House, yeah. but it was but that way I could just go in and tell him whatever I wanted to say. You know, because he couldn't fire me, you know, and, and I think he respected that. And a lot of times he'd throw me out, get out of here, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that was the kind of relationship yeah. we had. So uh, Trump is, a, there was one, uh, I've said this many times to you, there's a, a commonality between Trump and Reagan. They were always underestimated by their political opponents. Reagan right. was and Trump is. Trump running for president, they were rolling over laughing so hard, all of a sudden, you know, he's in the White House. And so he is underestimated. The guy is not stupid. He understands. He has, and the thing that I think is really um, impressive about Trump is he saw something in America that nobody else saw. Why did people vote for Trump in the end? I think it was because people were just saying, screw you, Washington. We're sick of what you're doing. I don't agree with everything Trump says. Nobody does. But you know what? He's going to stick it to you people. And that's why the left was so out to get him. From the moment, I mean, it's amazing that we achieved, John, what we did, given the fact that everyone in Washington was against what he was trying to do, including the deep state, which is very real. I mean, the deep state is real. These people in these agencies tried to undermine every single thing that he did. So I'm kind of proud that we accomplished what we did, uh, given how, and the media was against him. By the way, what did they spend the first two years talking about when he's president? Every single night. The Russia collusion hoax. They almost impeached him on a completely falsified piece of evidence. So, you know, given that, it's amazing what he accomplished what he did. Agreed. But let me also challenge, Okay, one of the reasons he was elected was how 
everyone hated Hillary. That's true. I mean, That's she true. was just a remarkable, that is remarkably true. dislikable no, that individual. Is true. I mean, the he polar was... opposite of her husband, right. who everybody wanted to have a beer with. That's true. But remember, everybody said Hillary's going to win by 20 points and da 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 da. And, you know, and uh, Trump recognized that, that Hillary and he, he took it to her in those debates in a way that, you know, no one else had done before. So we'll see. I mean, look, I think, you know, Trump is probably going to win the nomination, but it's not probably it's not for certain by any means. And, you know, a lot can change. This is is it an awful American system we have when (laughs) it is a year and a half away from even the nomination and we're it's still It's campaign season. Yeah, it's just so different than never the, stops. In, you know, the UK system where where call the election and in, in a few weeks it's done and we're back to business. It, it's it's tiresome. Well, there's two things people don't want. They don't want Donald Trump to be the next president, and they want <laughs> yeah, Joe Biden to be, to be the be next the president. president. And so it might be those are the two people who are, are nominated. But uh, it's you an important election, though. Didn't you run into Hillary? This was years ago. Didn't you run into Hillary in, in an <laughs> airport once? Tell the yeah, story. Uh, just I just a very quick story. So I, I no, was it. at a congressional hearing when she was a senator. Right. Remember, people forget she yeah. was a United States senator. And um, a carpetbagger. What's that? A carpetbagger. Yeah. Yeah. Ran. She was it Arkansas or Illinois or New York that she was a senator. From. <laughs> uh, anyway, she um, she came up to me after my testimony, shook my hand, and it was like the ice queen. And I swear to God, I got this like chill that went through my body. She's not a warm person. And, you know, that 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 was one of the big reasons that um, Trump was able to defeat her. But, you know, Biden is also a very weak candidate. I mean, the problem for Trump 2020 uh, 20 was that, you know, it was it was an, um, basically a referendum on him, not his policies. But every election since... 2016 has been a referendum on him, and every time Republicans have lost. In 2018, Republicans lost. In 2020, Republicans lost. In 2022, so Republicans have lost. that's not true. I'm going to challenge you on that. So in 2020, 2020 was a red wave election. Republicans won city council races. They won, uh, picked up 100 state legislative races. We picked up 20 seats in the House of Representatives. Donald Trump carried every Republican over the goal line except himself. And so Trump has incredible coattail effects. He has negative effects, but what he is for the Republicans is a turnout machine. And my, look, there are a lot of really great alternative candidates to Trump. The question is, if you're a Republican, like I am, can those other alternative candidates turn out those blue-collar, disaffected workers the way Trump did. I hope he, I hope the alternative can. Those, what we used to call Reagan Democrats. Exactly. And they voted en masse. I remember going in, like, to Pennsylvania. I went to a rally in central Pennsylvania. There was a, lo- a line of trucks four miles long. Everyone's American flag on it. I've never seen anything like it. And those... These, these way, were union guys. These most were, of them were. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's but it's important that we elect someone who will reverse the policies that Biden. If Trump put in wins place. again, will he be able to attract the same type, the same caliber of of yes. Of, yes. of people Talent. working in the yes? Really, he will. Yes, he will. I mean, like, we have a team. I'm working with uh, you know Brooke Rollins, who runs the American First Policy Institute. 
these are really impressive people. And we're, we'll, not only that, we will hit the ground running. I mean, my God, it's like just, you know, start right where we left off with better trade deals. The first thing he's to do is get control of the border. We're going to reverse all these crazy climate change policies. So he, After he's finished beating up every Republican <laughs> that ever said anything bad about him. Yeah. Look, uh, the guy's no angel. <laughs> the guy's no angel. Who, who would he choose as a running mate? Well, I'd love to see Kim Reynolds, or I think it would be really important for him to choose a woman. But you, there's, a, there's a joke there need, that I'm not taking. We need Colorado. Maybe John Caldera. <laughs> That he lost by 16 percentage points, but still there are people who say he won. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a subject for another. Never, next time I'm on the show, I want to interview you. I don't understand Colorado. I mean, Colorado should be a purple state. And it's a, it's a, it's a blue state. Uh, and oh. you're supposed to be Yeah, I failed. Them. It's all yeah. my fault, as we all know. Hey, dude, one more plug for uh, uh, the committee. Just if people want to get our hotline, it is free. It costs nothing. I'm not selling you anything, folks. Uh, I want you to be the smartest person in the room. So just uh, go to Committee to Unleash Prosperity website. Just give us your email. And we'll send Committee it. to Unleash Prosperity. Prosperity. Yep. Yeah, I tell you, it is the best Thank email you, I get yes. every day. Thank you. It, is, really it means is, a lot. You know, between that, if, if there's two things to read every day, it is the editorial page of the Wall Street okay. Journal, and even more so, I think, your email. Steve, I value Good it. Good to see you, my friend. Take care. If you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend. And I hope you'll subscribe and follow the show. We have new ones released weekly. Remember, this audio was taken from our TV show. To watch it, just search the letters IITV for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations.